Folks at Equifax Canada, the credit reporting agency, released some new numbers a couple of days ago, and some of them are pretty staggering. Check this one out. Credit card balances increased just over 15% year over year and crossed $100 billion for the first time ever. Total consumer debt rose more than 6% during this time, reaching well over $2 trillion. Currently here in B.C., non-mortgage debt, the average non-mortgage debt, sits at just a whisker under twenty. $22,000. These are impressive and intimidating numbers, daunting perhaps as well. Here to talk more about it and ma- navigating the maze is Mike Braga, Senior Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO, First Call Debt Solutions. Mike, good morning. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Well, it's good to have you with us. It's been a long time since you and I had a chat. Uh, what did you make of these Equifax numbers? I'm sure no surprises given the business that you're in, but still some pretty stunning numbers, Mike. There are some stunning numbers, and I think we need to unpack them a little bit. Some of this was expected in terms of the increase in credit use because our immigration has, has uh, immigration policy has changed a little bit, and so we are welcoming a lot of newcomers into the area. So with that... You know, you will start seeing some increase in credit use as they're coming in and, and availing themselves of what's available to them. Sure, yeah. My, my, my concern is the trend that we're seeing, like the overall trend that we're seeing, which is the use of credit cards is increasing. Um, defaults and delinquency rates are also increasing. But the amount that we're paying on our credit cards is decreasing. So more, more and more people, and especially over the last quarter of 2022, as I was unpacking the Sequifax report, more and more of them are just paying the minimum balance. Yeah. And that's a concern. And so what that's suggesting to me is that, realistically speaking, inf- the inflationary increases, the interest rate increases, you know, it's far outpacing what we're able to sustain in our, in our income. Uh, on and our income increases as well. So, you know, we have to start looking at that all-consuming budget again and, and start seeing how we can start making ends meet. Right. I want to I will come back to the delinquencies rather in just a moment, Mike. But I wanted to talk about HELOCs, those home equity mm-hmm. lines of credit, because, of course, they're a lifesaver for a lot of homeowners, many of whom, of course, have just gone through mortgage renewals and are, are dealing with uh, increased monthly payments or perhaps extended terms. Uh, how are HELOCs being affected by all of this? Well, it's quite interesting because I was doing some research about the HELOCs, uh, given this report, especially in the in the Vancouver and BC area, and they're being used in two ways. Like num- first and foremost, many people are using the HELOC in order to to refinance, uh, so, you know, to to refinance, refinance and pay down debt, mm-hmm. um, and, and to just you know tap into the equity in their homes, and and so that's kind of interesting to me because we're trading one form of debt for another, um, and, and if we don't get the the underlying budget under control, that just means the debt is going to increase again. So, you know, that's concerning. But the other piece that I was uh, that I was hearing as I was doing some research is that many older uh, individuals are assisting their children by getting HELOCs on their property to help their uh, their children get into the housing market. The bank and of so mom and dad, any, Mike, right? The bank of, exactly. So you have people in their, you know, later 50s, early 60s who, who are taking out financing on their property with not a lot of runway left in their working careers mm-hmm. in order to assist their children. And so if you don't have a plan on how to rebuild, how to repay that, the concerning piece is we know that for that generation, income is going to, um, is going to decrease and they're going to struggle at some point in the future. So we really want to start considering the repayment of debt 
not just taking it out for the short term. And I would imagine in some households, Mike, that's an uncomfortable situation, an uncomfortable part of the conversation. Mom and dad, I need some dough to buy a house, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we get that. Well, here's what we can do for you. But we're going to need you to repay that. In a lot of cases, mom and dad don't. They got lots of dough and it doesn't matter. But in some cases, as you point out, people with not a lot of runway left are, are taking, mm-hmm. assuming some extra risk here. It's not out of line to make a repayment arrangement, is it? Absolutely not. And it's extremely important that then you do start doing things to protect yourself. So if you find yourself as being a parent who's helping your child um, to, to purchase their own home, you know, having that discussion and looking at it as, as a business transaction is extremely important to protect yourself. So, you know, would you consider taking out a mortgage on their new property as a second mortgage, mm. just in case, you know, you know, things go sideways for them in, in the later future? These are tough discussions, and I get it. You don't want to have this with family members. But I think we have to start thinking about it, and we have to start thinking about what repayment looks like. So the expectations are set right at the beginning when everybody is happy about you know, and looking at the future so that if things do start turning sideways, you already have a plan in place. And the co- that conversation is less uncomfortable. Absolutely. Let's get back to delinquencies, if you don't mind, for a minute and talk about that. Especially connect these two dots, if you could, Mike, please. Delinquencies and credit co- utilization. Mm-hmm. So credit utilization refers to the amount of credit that we have available to ourselves. And so what we're seeing is that you know, from a debt-to-income ratio, we're, we're, we're pushing the boundaries. We're using the maximum amount of credit that's available to us. Mm. And so what winds up happening is at some point, the bank says, okay, you've reached your threshold, right? We're not lending you anymore, but your expenses haven't changed. And so if you can't dip into that line of credit or if you, you know, you, you don't have that line of credit or that credit card accessible anymore, then what we're finding is people are going, you know, going to, cash advance places, or alternatively, they're not making their payment. Uh, and so that becomes problematic. And so what we're seeing in the last quarter of 20, uh, 2022, insolvency rates, especially consumer proposals, have increased. Mm-hmm. Uh, and specifically in the BC area, you know, we're up about 30%. And so, you know, that's quite alarming as well, because what we're seeing is that everything that's happened post-pandemic and now with inflationary increases, it's all taking its toll. Mike, you also mentioned a moment ago that many people are, are down to making the minimum payment. And a lot of people are convinced that as long as you're making a minimum payment on time every month, your credit score is going to be just fine. That's not necessarily the case, is it? It's not necessarily the case in Sterling. You know, this goes back many, many years when our interest rates were low and Canadians were having a love affair with credit. Like, you know, it was easy to obtain credit and it was easy to make money uh, to, to make your minimum monthly payments because the interest, you know, the interest impact wasn't there. Now, with interest rates increasing and banks looking at your debt, to, like the, the debt to income ratio, as interest rates increase and you're making your minimum monthly payments, your balance continues to increase. And so what happens is that ratio, which affects your credit score, goes down. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there is that impact. And so we need to start considering that as well.
Mike, I wanted to take a last couple of moments with you, and we do appreciate your time on a Saturday morning. Talk about spring break, which is just kicking off here in B.C. A couple of weeks off, uh, a little more added expense. Some people really go to town on spring break. A lot of people just turn the kids loose in the backyard and say, you see, it's supper time. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about how spring break, A, can impact your finances, and B, some positive things that you can do during spring break, especially with, with regard to financial literacy. Yeah, so these last couple of years, uh, we've we've just kind of gone hog wild when it comes to these types of breaks, right? You know, we were deprived for a long time, and so coming out of it, it's just natural that we want to get back to normal as, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've been seeing studies, and BDO put out a study a couple of years ago where, you know, parents were saying, we just want our kids to be happy, so we don't care what we're spending. And so what I'm suggesting is that we start, we need to come back to that B word, and, and that's the budget, Right. It's fine to spend over the March break or summer is coming as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's fine to have some spending allocated there. And so what my suggestion is, pick a number that's going to be fit into your budget and it's going to be affordable so you're not putting it on debt. And start thinking creatively about how you can manage that budget and do things that your kids will enjoy. Or better yet, turn the budget over to the kids and say, here's, you know, here's the amount that you can spend over the next March break, like five days. And you need to keep yourself entertained. Go out and be creative and see what you can find that interests you that's going to fit into that. And so what you're doing is you're giving them some runway to start that whole budgeting process and, and, and figure out, you know, a life skill that they're going to need for, into the future. And of course, you're going to be there for guidance, right? And you're going to you know, make sure that they're not overspending. But, you know, you're, you're actually giving them a tangible experience in terms of a budgeting process. And in terms of the budgeting process, it is never too late to start. If uh, intending to teach your kids about it is, is a great excuse for you to sort of get back on track with a budget, so much the better, right? Absolutely. And what you'll find is that kids with the access, you know, they're so internet, they're so mobile friendly and internet, you know, uh, internet savvy that they're going to come up with such creative ideas to save dollars and save money and, and, and to be able to do the things that they enjoy. And the other thing that I suggest is to be a tourist in your own, uh, in your own city. There's a lot of great free activities in Vancouver, um, including the art gallery, you know, you know or go, doing the grouse grind, mm-hmm. you know, as a family. Like, these are things that are, like, tourists come and flock to Vancouver to do these things. And, you know, if, if you start opening your ear, putting your ear to the rails and, and seeing what's available, there's a lot of great free activities that are out there. Yeah, good stuff and great advice, too. Mike Braga, thanks for joining us this morning. Great to have you back with us. Thank you for having me.